0: You're listening to WJMF radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to down to the wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa. And today we have got an amazing show for you. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, You are not, you didn't just fall into like a time capsule or anything crazy. I am actually back in the Koffler Center where I wrapped up things at the end of my senior year this past May. Uh, It is absolutely crazy to be back recording a show in here, but I am glad nonetheless and I'm super glad to welcome in a special guest of the show. He's a familiar face. We're going to get a chance tonight to talk about a lot of things um, from the MLB to the NFL. Uh, they're going to start off tonight with Mookie Betts' return to Fenway Park after three years in a Dodger uniform. Talk about the injury-revolving Shohei Otani. And then uh, in NFL news, we'll talk about Jonathan Taylor to the Miami Dolphins' rumors. The pats preseason and the downfall of the arizona cardinals so it's gonna be a great show we're gonna talk about that and a whole lot more but first of all i want to welcome back today's guest mr ethan molder ethan i'm glad to have you back on the show and have you back in the studio with me man how you doing
1: what's up it's good to be back appreciate you coming on the show like always Um. Ready to go back to school? Ready to get the year started?
0: It's crazy, man. It feels like I was just in here like a couple months ago recording my what was my 200, my 200th episode at the time. It was the day before graduation, which is just absolutely wild to me that I was doing that at the time. And yeah, just to be back here, it's kind of crazy. I'm back for my graduate school now doing two years here. So, uh, you know, the opportunity to maybe have you on some shows as well as some other students over these next couple uh you know, semesters here. I'm really excited for it. So thanks for stopping in, man. And uh, yeah, the first thing we wanted to get off on the plate tonight was uh, Mookie Betts after three years with the Los Angeles Dodgers will make his return tonight and face the Boston Red Sox. Ethan, man, it's 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 pretty heartbreaking to see this finally come to fruition. I thought it'd be a lot sooner, but just the schedules never lined up for us to face Mookie in Boston. And, uh, you know, the time's finally come. What do you think of all this?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is a pretty big moment for Boston. I mean, Mookie was like the heart and soul of our franchise and then we just let him go. And, um, I actually heard a couple like, it was, it was a conversation Mookie had the other day mm-hmm. and, um, people said like, Oh yeah, we, we offered him over like 300 million, whatever. He said that wasn't true at all. He said that he was not getting anything near that. And so that's why he went to LA, but just sucks. I mean, he was our guy and I, I don't know why we didn't pay him. I mean, we did the same thing with Xander too.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's been frustrating. It's been ridiculous to see how this thing has all kind of played out. I mean, you I when I first started this show, the whole drama with Mookie Betts first started. It was when the trade to the Dodgers originally went down. We covered it and I just I, I never understood the deal and what we were getting back. I mean, three years later, it's really looking like one of the worst returns I've ever seen in a trade, especially for a guy of that caliber. I mean, especially with the way he's producing this year, I think uh, his numbers at least going into this game was, um, you know, batting like three hundred thirty four homers. Um, you know, you know, he's doing really well so far this year an MVP candidate. and, all we got in return for him was Alex Redugo, who is, you know, having his own issues on and off the field with the Red Sox. Connor Wong, who I get it, I, is a serviceable catcher, but, you know, really can't compare to what you lost with bets. And then the cornerstone piece of the trade, who was supposed to be the key prospect in that deal, Jeter Downs, is no longer even with the team. I actually just saw him the other day. Um I was at a Wu Sox game and he was playing for the other team, yeah, the batting up batting a buck 60 in AAA. And I'm like, yeah, that that's, that's worthy of giving up Mookie freaking bets.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so disappointing. Mainly the Jeter downs that that's the like...
0: worst part of it. Cause Verdugo was never supposed to be the big return of that deal. Yeah. He was just supposed to be the major league ready talent that you were going to get off the bat. And then jeter downs was kind of the centerpiece of the deal it was like all right he's going to be the guy you can build around be maybe a future shortstop second baseman you know a guy that you can really trust up the middle in a couple of years and then connor wong was really just a throw-in was you know a lot of people were just like you know what maybe he'll be something and frankly like he t- ended up being the better prospect
1: yeah somehow so I it's mean, crazy i've watched uh jeter downs of the wool and he was promising to start like he was he was good. He was hitting like a home run every other yeah. at bat. And I mean, he even got called up and he played, honestly, not that bad. But it's just crazy. He had, a, he had an insane fall off like out of nowhere. And yeah, he he I remember actually
0: seeing him in A and he looked very promising. But um, I think he had some concussion issues. He had a lot of injuries yeah. down in A. And I think that it just kind of robbed him of whatever potential he was really going to have, because. You know, even with like, I think that I think he's with the uh, Nationals affiliate now. He just still can't find it. So mm-hmm. it's it's really sad to see. And I mean, listen, Mookie Betts should have been a Red Sox for life yep. and had the Red Sox, you know, put up the money for him. He'd still be here. Now, I, I think Haim Bloom or at least some member of the Red Sox administration, I believe it was Bloom when they first traded bets, went on record of, as to saying, hey, we're we were only going to be able to get two of the three regarding Bets Bogarts, Endeavors, and they ended up only get, retaining one of the three, yeah. which I mean, looking back on it, you see, some people are even wondering, did you get the wrong guy? I mean, if you had to choose one of those three guys, would you take Raphael, Devers or Mookie Betts, Ethan?
1: I'm a huge Rafi fan. Sure. Oh, uh, that, That's tough. I mean, how old's Mookie now? Like 29? He, he, I think he's 30 now. 30? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Endeavors is still what, 25, 26? Yeah. So uh, Rafi still has some years, and I mean he's been good. He's he, but Mookie, like he's still showing that he's amazing. Like right now, like mm-hmm. the past like ten games or so, he's been on an incredible tear. Yeah, especially coming into this weekend series, like he's ready to he's ready to cook. I mean, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Like that's a good question, honestly. I mean. I mean, the
0: reason I say that, though, is because Mookie, this Mookie has been consistently great through all his time. And listen, I I love Rafael Devers. I don't want anyone to get that twisted. I'm glad the Red Sox paid him. And I think but unfortunately, I think they were paying him just because they felt the pressure from the fans for not paying Xander Bogarts or bets. And I think they were like, fine, we'll shut you up. We'll give Devers a bunch of money, which they eventually did. But the way it was all handled was just a big mess. I mean, I'm I was never going to tell the Red Sox to go out there and spend the money that the Padres spent to get Xander Bogarts, but they could have handled that deal differently as well. They could have approached Xander sooner in the sooner, like in the off season, gone to him and said, Hey, we're going to give you maybe half that deal. And had the Red Sox given, given him probably a respectable offer, he'd still be here as well. Yeah. So it's just the fact that the Red Sox didn't want to pay up the money. And they, that's just not how they run their operation anymore, which sucks. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, when you're the fourth richest team in all of baseball and you have a payroll that sits in the middle of the market. It's just a giant waste and a and a giant middle finger to this fan base.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense too, especially when you got like teams like the Yankees that are out crazy spending. Obviously, it's not paying off for the Yankees, but sure. still, like I mean, obviously the Dodgers, like they spend a lot of money and it. Usually, works for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year is like uh, this year interesting because I didn't think we were gonna do well at all, and now no. we're close to contending. I mean, we're we're like three and a half games behind right now, so. Mm-hmm honestly like I'm, I'm just interested to see down the stretch of this Sox team has it in them because obviously bloom thinks he he's we have a good roster and he thinks that we don't need to go out and spend crazy money so um if that's if that's what he wants to do i mean hopefully it works out
0: i mean ethan you say that bloom bloom believes in this roster and he thinks that he has enough pieces but he didn't even go out the, at the go out the trade deadline and make moves for this team yeah we sit three yeah. and a half games out we're you know, behind we're behind the Blue Jays still for that final wild card spot. So mm. we'd have to do some, you know, some serious damage in this final month. I know we just got a big win over the Astros, but do you think this team is legit enough to make a run in this last month of the season? Or do you?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I that's probably my bias speaking, but I think we do. And I I've always loved Alex Coral. I think he's a good coach. I really do. Um, but I I think they have a good run. I mean, we have some good good games coming up. I mean, we have uh, the Royals for a series and even the Yankees to me is like, I think we can almost take almost all those games, sure. but we do have some tough series coming up too. With, we play the Orioles twice and Orioles are really good. So mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we make playoffs. I hope we do, but there's just the AL is or yeah, the AL has just been really good, especially the AL East, obviously, but it's been, it's been a tough year, even for us. Like we're having a good year, but it's just, there's only so much we can do. <laughs>
0: I mean, listen, what's been frustrating about this Red Sox team for the entire year is that they have just been consistently inconsistent. They've been the team version of Clay Buckles, where Mm -hmm. I remember when Clay Buckles was on this team and was, you know, almost an ace at one point. um, You know, he was very good, like in 2013. But towards the end of his tenure here, I remember we were facing the Cleveland then Indians, now Guardians um, in the ALDS. And Bob Costas was calling the game and Buckles takes them out. And Costas and Costas uh, calls him consistently inconsistent, which at the time just perfectly summed up Buckles his career because you didn't know if you were going to go out and get the guy who threw a no hitter in his first start yep. or get someone who's going to let up five runs in the first inning. And that's just how this Red Sox team feels because they get on a hot streak. They, you know, maybe beat up on the Yankees and you start to think, all right, they're going to start to turn the corner right now. But then they face the actual real teams that are going to give them, you know, a, a bit of a run for their money and are actually in front of them in that wild card spot. And then the, and then they just completely regress and fall off the face of the earth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's definitely the huge thing, like the what makes good teams. To make that jump to go in a great team, you can't lose to those great teams. Like if you're a good team, yeah, you're gonna beat like the the Nationals, the Royals, the A's, but and those you don't have to beat the big. You guys, need so. to beat up on those teams. That's just like what happens,
0: and Fast I get up. it. You can follow a team here and there, and you you know you're not gonna go ten and zero on a, on a road trip. I understand that, yeah. but the way that the Red Sox have played lately, and just have played themselves out of games. I mean, the sloppy fielding, um, just going cold at the wrong time. I mean, Trevor story, since he's come up has oh, been terrible. He's been awful since he's come up and it, it, it's surprising too, because he was raking down in AAA and Worcester and he thought, all right, yeah, he's, you know, the, you know, he's fully healthy. He's ready to go. Like just put him right in that lineup and you know, he'll explode. And he just completely went ice cold. I know he had a four for four game, but other than that, he's just been, you know, a stiff up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um-
1: I I don't know that that was another thing too like bringing in Trevor's story because he was supposed to be Bogart's Mm -hmm. replacement and it's like oh my I like I don't even want him anymore like (laughs) so it's just it's just been frustrating I mean I don't know what our direction is too like when we get to the off season um like what are we gonna try and bring in because our pitching has kind of like taken a level up I still feel like we need like one more like really good starting pitcher sure but otherwise I mean there's not too many like major things we need to do but. Definitely need to add some pieces, but I, I don't know what's going on with this roster.
0: I mean, I will say this. So down the stretch for this team is going to really make or break the future of Alex Cora and Heinblum. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just a definite fact. Yep. And say this team, you know, kind of sticks out this pace. They may be, you know, finish with 86, 87 wins, just missed the wild card spot. I think Heim Bloom keeps his job. I, don't, yeah. I think they can. I think they call the season a success. They, you know, got their ticket sales in. They stayed quote unquote relatively competitive, where, whether you like it or not. And they just call the season a wash, and they try to go on in 2024 and continue with their philosophy. But if this thing goes the opposite way, and I know that you know they just had a good win against the Astros, but. They got to face the Dodgers now with Mookie Betts coming back. That's going to be a lot of emotion in their building. And then the Astros come back to town, probably looking to get some revenge on them. It, it could turn ugly real quick. And then come September, you know, maybe this team just gives up. And I I, I could frankly see, see it go that way because I just don't have that faith right now. I just feel like it's on the edge of just of them falling off a cliff. It's felt like that the entire season. They're just teetering on the edge and they're either going to fall and just get red hot or they're just going to go the other way and just you know implode on themselves like 2011 style, which, I mean, it just feels more and more every day. I mean, you see the tension in that clubhouse. Did you see the other day that uh, Alex Cora went to the press conference wearing a shirt that said underdogs on it? Really? Yeah, which was, uh, if you guys don't know, that's a call out to Heim Bloom. Um, following the trade deadline at his press conference, he, he just admitted that the team was underdogs and kind of, you know, um, it was kind of the reason that he didn't spend at, um, you know, and, you know, go out and get talent at that deadline is because he is he basically said, hey, right now we're out of the playoff race. Like, we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket here, which is just a slap in the face to your team
1: everybody, everybody coaches, the whole, everything.
0: And the fact that your head coach, like the guy in charge, like it's not even like the players are doing it and it's like major league style where they have like the owner pinned up in the clubhouse and they're like ripping like the, you know what I'm talking about with the scene, they're ripping all like the clothing off and that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not like that when you have the manager making an open statement like that, that's when, you know, it's bad. And I feel like it's just on the very edge of boiling over there. And it's just going to come to the point where I think Alex core is going to say, all right, what philosophy do you want to go with? Do you want to go with, do you want to go with bloom or do you want to go with me? He came in in 2018 and did his job. He came into a loaded roster and turned them from being, you know, early exiters in the first rounds of the playoffs to a world series team. And you got to obviously, and I obviously know about the talent that they got during that time, but Core's influence played a major role in that. He doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild. It's like the doc rivers thing with the Boston Celtics. He didn't want to just stick around and have to watch this team, you know, and have to, you know, you know, coach up Marcus Smart and all these other guys. He wanted to just be on a contender right away. I think Alex Cora is of a similar mindset, and we're gonna see that come to a head this off season.
1: Well, yeah, I think Cora always thinks that his team can win the World Series. You look two years ago with the Sox. I mean, we made a great. Everyone thought we were gonna be a bottom ten, bottom five team, mm-hmm. even, and we had one of the best like playoff runs I've ever seen with the Red Sox. Yeah. So I I, I truly agree. I think like he believes he's always gonna be. In a winning mindset that this team can win the World Series, and if him and Bloom cannot be on the same page, like it, it could get very messy. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I definitely think it can. So that's kind of our little Red Sox minute right there, Ethan. Before we uh switch things up in NFL news, there is another story I want to talk about. That is uh, Shohei Ohtani. Uh, you know, it was confirmed he does have a torn UCL and he'll miss the rest of this regular season, at least on the pitching side. He will continue to hit, which. I mean, it's great for the Angels down the stretch. I guess it'll sell tickets and get people to still come to the ballpark. But right now, if I've, as I look at it, the Angels are 10 and a half games out of the final wildcard spot. They went in trying to compete for it and they completely blew that opportunity. If you have to look back on it, they made a big mistake by not trading Otani and at least trying to get something back for him. Cause at this point, he's going to walk in free agency. Might just go down the street and play for Ella and play for the Dodgers now. So there's a chance at that, and you're going to get nothing for him. Maybe a draft pick, but that's going to mean squat to you.
1: Yeah, I mean the Angels. If we're talking about the Red Sox, I mean, oh man, we've had our problems, but the Angels, oh my. You
0: want? I mean, that's a disaster of an organization right there. I we're mean, really the Red bad. Sox. I think they still have like the fans that can like, yeah. you know, they'll kind of have some backlash, and I think you know, sometimes even force the team into making a deal that they don't want to do, i.e. the Devers signing. I think yep. had the Red Sox fans just been quiet, I think we would have seen the same drama play out with Raphael Devers that we did with Xander Bogarts and with Mookie Betts. I think it would have been the yeah. exact same thing.
1: Yep. But I don't know, like the Angels, like, I mean, you have two like the greatest players to ever touch the field mm-hmm. and they just can't even make the playoffs, which is crazy. So, yeah, I mean, where do you think Otani's realistically going? You think he really goes to the Dodgers and that's it? I mean, listen, it,
0: the Dodgers, it could make a lot more. I would have said that it ma- would have made a lot more sense had he been pitching, but mm-hmm. with him now likely being a DH for 2024, I don't know. Cause they still have, I is I don't know if JD's on more than a one-year deal, but he's been solid there for them. He's been an all-star. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you can get Otani in that building, I think you make that call.
1: Yeah. So like, that, so yeah, so, so,
0: that, so that's the only thing, but um, I think, I think the Dodgers could definitely be a destination. Um
1: do you think the Orioles can even make a chance for them I mean, No shot. There's yeah. no
0: shot. I, I could have seen it via a trade if they had given up some of the young prospects, but they don't have the capital go, to go out and do that.
1: Yeah. What about the Rangers? I feel like the Rangers have started to. Like, 100%. Them, I could see guys in the building.
0: I could definitely see the Rangers do that. Um, Yeah, I think that's definitely on the table. I could also see San Diego getting into it if they were to. Be ridiculous. Well, if they were to send out Juan Soto. And you know, move some of the money around. I think Manny Machado's also in the final year of his deal. I think he oh no, he actually uh, signed a contract, he opted back in, but there was like an opt-out that he had previously. Mm -hmm. But I think they could still move the money around if they get Soto out of the building. They could bring Otani in as their DH. I think that still is they'd replace
1: Soto for Otani
0: potentially for what Soto's gonna be worth. Soto might make more than Otani. Yeah, honest, honest to God. I mean, listen, Otani's great, but for the potential that Soto has as like that next generational outfielder, yeah, he could be a very wealthy guy soon. Yeah.
1: I mean, this, honestly, another team that's a mess is the Padres. I mean, how how are you guys like not one of the best teams in the league? Like, oh my goodness. I you're mean not even gonna make playoffs. People yeah. people are like, Oh yeah, these guys are winning the World Series, no doubt about it. Now it's like <laughs> they're not even going to make playoffs. That's insane. Yeah,
0: I mean that's that's just how baseball works for you. I mean they put all their eggs in the idea that in the basket of oh Fernando Tatis Junior is going to be back, Manny Machado is going to do his thing, and then it just never materialized. Also, Xander Bogarts really hasn't been himself since getting to San Diego. He's been mm-hmm. you know dealing with wrist issues. He's been I think he's batting like two fifty or something right now. He's just not up to his standards. So uh, a bunch of issues going on there too.
1: Yeah. So I mean I. I'm going to just say it now. I really think that the Rangers is the place he goes. I mean, that's like the yeah. perfect fit. I mean, they've brought in what, Simeon? They've brought in um, Seager. They've brought in DeGrom. DeGrom. They just
0: traded for Max Scherzer. Scherzer. So,
1: I, so, I mean, they, they
0: are making moves. I think that Otani in Texas could be really interesting, especially. Yeah, that's
1: like the jump for them.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, especially with the way they're competing right now. If if their owner just wants to go in and throw a bunch of money at it, um. You know, it's one of those things. I could see the Texas Rangers in a sense almost being like the Los Angeles Rams of baseball, to where they just said, screw it for one year, we're yeah. gonna put all the money in and try to win it all. Yeah. And in football, that has a higher chance of working, Very I'd higher. say, than baseball, because we just saw how it worked with the New York Mets. Yeah, that oh, whole situation no. blew up and they had to send the, they had to send both Verlander and Scherzer out. So yep. um it's kind of always a risk in baseball, but if a team's willing to pay up and give them that money, then uh, you're going to at least get a very quality bat. And then, you know, the arm could be questionable by the time he comes back. This is his second Tommy John surgery. So, yep. like, that's the scary part. Mm. Like, so that is the tough part. I mean, you're still going to get a guy who could probably hit 30, 40 home runs a year, which, you know, any, any bat, any, uh, any person's going to take that. He is an MVP candidate almost as a DH alone. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, you will, you, he's still at least going to get a very good. Contract. Well,
1: I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask you one more MLB question. Sure. I mean, to cap it off, I mean, now we're close to playoffs. Who do you think is going to win it all? Like honestly.
0: So, as I look as I look down the stretch, I mean, people look to um So let me pull up the full standings. Um expanded. So, I really just like the Braves, man. I Personally, too. I I just do. They just seem like the most complete team to me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I'm just looking through the standings right now, so give me a second. I mean, the Phillies, too, like, they are kind of gaining that momentum like they did last year. I mean, they're way out of it in the division. Like, the Braves are just an absolute juggernaut right now, but that was the case last year, too. And they are kind of that team that is built for October where, yeah, the whole grind of a regular season, no, that's not how they play. But you get them into a best-of-five, best-of-seven tournament. They're a tough team to put down. So that I, I think I think definitely watch out for the Phillies again as well. They could come back with a vengeance. So yeah. um, I mean, I'm I'm just rocking with the with the NL East right now.
1: Yeah, same with me. I mean, I really like the Braves and especially like Acuna, like the Braves won it and like it probably felt weird for Acuna He's like, you can't yeah. really like claim that as your own ring, you know. So mm-hmm. he really wants to just lead the pack. But I don't know. I've liked the Orioles this whole year and I think they just it's, it's still a young roster and I still feel like they can't going to make that jump. That's net, the problem with you know? me is
0: that I, I the Orioles, I definitely feel like just don't have it. But the one thing I could give them is that they might be too naive to realize how big some of those moments are. Yeah. So so like, you know, when you have like a guy that's been in the league for 10 years and he gets to a game seven, you know, some guys can step up and they can compete in that atmosphere. But other guys might go, oh, shoot, this is game seven and get nervous and kind of, yeah. you know, overthink things. But if you get a kid who's like 23, 24 years old, I mean, how old is Adley Rutschman? I want to look that up real quick. It
1: might be like 24,
0: 23. Yeah. Adley Rutschman age.
1: I mean, this is still great for the or- the Orioles have such a young roster. I mean, this is going to be great experience for them. But yeah, so, yeah, so feel- Rutschman
0: is 25. Yes. Say you get a kid like that in October. he's It's his first time really ever experiencing it. He's not going to realize that like how fleeting those moments are, like how rare it is to like get into those, you know, opportunities. So he might just be like, screw it. I'm just going to ball out right now. And that just sometimes, and that you sometimes see that with guys where they don't realize how big the moment is. It was kind of like when Tom Brady first made the playoffs with the Patriots, you know, it's kind of like, all right. Yeah. He just thought that he was just going to continually do this. And, you know, he eventually did, but it was just like that mindset that he had. So I don't like that. I, I really don't feel like the Orioles will be able to do that, though. And then the other team that I doubt as well is the Texas Rangers this year. Yeah, I just don't think that this year they're going to be able to do it. They just feel like a paper tiger to me where, mm-hmm. you know, they just seem like this big three headed monster right now with Simeon uh, Scherzer and then uh, Seager. and Seeger, It just seems like this big like wall that you have to go through. But I just don't think that they're ready yet. I think they need to at least face some adversity in the in that postseason probably go down and then they'll you know be able to build and go and go back after it after the fact
1: what about Julio think he can lead the Mariners pretty far
0: I don't I I I just don't I I think that the the curse with the Mariners is still very very real
1: yeah it is so I, I think it'll honestly be Astros Braves. And I think the Braves take it. That's what I think will happen. I, I like that prediction. So that's our little baseball minute there, Ethan. We're now going to switch things up into the NFL. Uh, you had some, some takes on Jonathan Taylor. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So I've been, I've been looking into it pretty heavily because I mean, I play fantasy too. So I try and keep up on all this stuff, but mm. I've been staying away from Jonathan Taylor just because the weird situation that happened with him, obviously. But um, right now, it looks like the Dolphins and the Colts are in huge trade talks. They're both at a standstill, but
0: yeah, I know the uh, the Dol- um the Colts did decline a trade from the Dolphins. So there yeah. was an offer, and they did turn it down. But I think they still are actively listening. Oh, yeah. So
1: yeah, they're talking.
0: Yeah, and I mean, originally Jim Irsay came out and said that they were not going to trade Jonathan Taylor. They were going to you know stand pat and try to resolve things with him. That has a that has since fallen apart. Now, yeah. do you think the Dolphins get this done?
1: I think they do. And if you look at it, I mean, them, the, uh, oh, geez, I was going to say the AL East. (laughs) No, Jesus. (laughs) AFC. Yeah. The AFC East. I mean, they are just stacked. I mean, the bills, the bills are really good. The jets obviously made crazy moves. Pats tried to keep up, but the dolphins, like they still want to be that team. I mean, they, that's a great offense. You have Tua Taylor Hill um, waddle. That's ridiculous. So they really just need that running back. I feel like that's the only thing that's missing. Obviously Ramsey is out for a little while, but they still have Xavier Howard. That's all they need is that running back, that star running back, and the Dolphins could honestly be one of the best teams in the NFL.
0: I mean, they definitely have the potential to. It's all going to ride on Tua though. That that's all yeah. that's it's oh, yeah. it's
1: going to be huge, huge. If he
0: can't do it this year, then he's out, and they're going to get a new guy in. Yeah, it, that's just what's going to happen. Mm. But they definitely have the potential to do it, and I think that. They see the Patriots right now getting better with their run game. Mac Jones is improving. The Jets just get Aaron Rodgers in. You know, people are going to be excited to see what he looks like finally in a New York Jets uniform. And then the Bills are are still, you know, reigning atop the AFC. So, I mean, they they realize what's cut out for them. And I think that, you know, adding a dynamic back like Taylor to your run game, it just opens up so many more options for that team. You know, with Waddle, with Tyreek Hill. And to just have that option out of your backfield, it's going to have teams just completely, you know, yeah. you know, you know, playing guessing games back there.
1: I mean, the Dolphins, they they are trade mongrels because you look back at now the Trey Lance trade, which I, they got three players in return. It was like, Waddle, yeah. old Chubb and like one other player. I forget. It was a star for Trey Un- Lance.
0: Unbelievable steal.
1: That's crazy. Like now Trey Lance is QB three. Probably not even yeah. gonna be on like, I don't know where he's going to go. I, I say you should get traded to the Vikings, be, a, be an heir to Kirk Cousins, but. Yeah, that's I I I think that could definitely happen, and that's just it, I thought Trey Lance was going to be one of those San Fran superstar quarterbacks, and he's getting outplayed by Sam Darnold now. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty bad. I mean, yeah, like I I think John Lynch is kind of just done with him now. I mean, not not even Sam Darnold, but we just see Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, last year come in, tear up the league, and everyone's like, who the hell is this guy, and how is he performing like this? So, um. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to see. I mean, just the fact that you could have a guy that was the third overall pick can completely be played out of a job after mm-hmm. one season. So yeah, it's, it's pretty
1: wild. That's kind of good for the NFL too. It kind of like shows that like you don't have to be one of these top five picks no. and that's like, you're going to be the guy like, honestly, like these NFL, the owners, the teams, like they are not afraid to move on from players like that anymore. Like they will trade you for anybody. They will sign someone else. So It's going to be kind of fun to watch the NFL, like see like who's going to stay on the roster. Like, honestly,
0: I mean, I will say this. I am surprised that he didn't get a little more leeway, get another chance to really prove himself, because I mean, that's usually something that that first round quarterbacks get because the team realized they invested, you know, to draft a guy in the first round. You're investing millions of dollars into them. And I and listen, Brock Purdy was great for you. You can appreciate what he did. But when you're a GM and you're running that team, you have to realize, all right, I invested a lot of money into this kid at the third pick. Mm -hmm. I want to see something pay off with him. So you're going to want to try to get some return. And when you just don't see anything yeah, it can be pretty annoying. So I, I think that I'm surprised they they didn't try to push it a little more and say, all right, no, we'll have you at QB two and maybe try to give you some more reps. But from what I'm seeing, it just think I just think that they're completely turned off by him and are probably just going to go in a completely different direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a fast-moving NFL. You watch Sam Darnold. I mean, they get they moved on pretty quick. Zach Wilson. I mean, hundred percent pretty quick. So
0: I mean, it's crazy too because you look over New England. And it's kind of the exact opposite situation where you had Bailey Zappi come into play, you know, did pretty well over his couple starts. New England is more traditional, though, where they decided no, you know, Yo, we're, we're gonna this is crazy.
1: Trey Lance to the Cowboys breaking news as we're talking
0: about it. Wow, that's okay. insane. So we got some breaking news that's right here insane. on the show. You, you wanna you wanna read out the deal?
1: Yeah. So the 49ers are sending their former number three all pick, Trey Lance to Dallas Cowboys for a mid-round. It, does, it, just, does, does it say even, any any pick? Hasn't even specified, but mid round, so probably like fourth or fifth. Wow. All right. After. So, so
0: just breaking on the show. Okay, yeah. That's crazy. I have not been able to break some news on here in a while. So yeah, freelance to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh Ethan, what do you think about this? You know, back is- Dak Prescott, you know, getting a backup quarterback in there. What, what do you think about all this?
1: Wow. So honestly, like that's that's a really good move. Um, I mean, Dak Prescott, he is also another guy that's been under a lot of pressure his whole, like, whole career. And I think he's done really well. I think he has a really good season ahead of him. But I mean, honestly, like any like mishaps and they could give Trey, Trey Lance like a shot. But this is good. This is honestly good because there's not a lot of pressure for Lance anymore. No, And he's a good backup to a really good team. I mean, Dak's an injury prone guy. We know this. If Dak goes down, Lance comes up. This is a huge, huge spotlight for him now. I mean, this is a very interesting
0: deal for uh for Dallas as well because Dak has an opt out after this season. Really? So yeah, he has a potential opt out that he could go for. Uh-oh. Um, and yeah, like I mean, he could opt in. Uh, in t- in twenty twenty four, he would make a base salary of twenty nine million. And if he chooses to opt out of that, he just can do that. And I guess there are some other deals in his restructured contract, but, um. Yeah, that that that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so there there you have it. I mean, just uh... <laughs>
1: that is absurd. Like, wow, that's the coolest thing. <laughs> we literally switched the topic to Trey Lance and he gets traded right there. Yeah,
0: unbelievable. So Trey Lance out the door in San Francisco. Wow, just the fact that the 49ers completely booted on this guy is crazy. I yeah. mean, just how many years later and he's out the door.
1: Yeah, I mean, all that for fourth round pick. Wow. At the end of the day. is that
0: confirmed? Fourth rounder.
1: I no, but I I think it will wait still haven't seen anything yet, but it's probably going to be like a fourth round pick, which is just absurd.
0: That is crazy. So there you have it. Trey Lance to the True. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, unbelievable breaking news right here on the show. So uh, Ethan, great, great job having your phone out yeah. right there. Uh, unbelievable news. So, yeah. All right. So that's kind of what we have uh, going on with there. Um, You know, we'll switch things over into the Pats now, mm-hmm. you know, getting on with them. Patriots preseason wrapping up tonight. They face the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, usually last game of the preseason, you're seeing a bunch of guys that are just fighting for that, you know, last spot on the roster at this point. Yep. You weren't going to really see Mac Jones or any of those guys out there tonight. So, um, anything that you're looking for out of this game, Ethan, at all? Like, you know, some guys that ho- you're hoping to, uh, maybe prove themselves if they do get in the game.
1: Yeah. So, kind of like the biggest thing this offseason is like our wide receiver core, um, with like the battle between Demario Douglas and, uh, Keyshawn Boot. Like, um, so that, that's kind of huge to see, to be honest. Um, because I don't know, like we have, we honestly have a really deep wide receiver room. They're all kind of like mid wide receivers. Th- that's the issue. <laughs> is
0: is that I feel like you have a lot of depth at the position, but there's not one guy that can stand out with that unit. Which
1: should have been Hopkins, which would have been perfect. 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 It's
0: literally what I had said on, on shows previously, as I said, yeah. if you get DeAndre Hopkins in your wide receiver room, you can slide everyone down a slot it's on the depth perfect. chart and it looks so much better. When you have Juju as your two and then you put, you know- um, Devontae
1: Ken- Parker as a three, Kendrick Bourne is even like the four. Like, exactly. And
0: then you have Tyquan Thornton as your f- yep. as your fifth wide receiver. It just looks so much better and you have a much stronger team than what you have right now. But again, you, you, you are right. We have a lot of depth. I will be I will look to see if Kayshawn Boot plays tonight cuz I had heard that he kind of had a bit of a bit of a rough camp wasn't yeah. uh, getting some of the touches that people thought he was going to mm-hmm. was kind of getting outplayed by Pop Douglas so yeah. uh, we'll have to see how that kind of works itself out down the stretch.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for Douglas honestly like that would that wouldn't be a bad addition to like if guys go down we can have him step up. But to be honest, really what I want to see from the Pats this year is tight end use. I mean, mm-hmm. we brought in Mike Kosicki. He is a really good tight end like yeah i want to see us use hunter henry we still have hunter henry we have the best tight end room in the league like i hope we use them um i mean we also have we just we honestly have a lot like even remandre and zeke like everything is there so this is a huge season for mac and in my opinion if mac underperforms this season i say we got to go for a
0: new quarterback yeah do, do you go into the draft and try to go back there or do you try to go into free agency and make something happen there what- i say
1: i say free agency honestly like I'd try and bring in Dak Prescott, (laughs) not even kidding.
0: Uh, Now that, that would be interesting, but I don't know how I feel about Dak Prescott, man. I, I, he's great for the Cowboys. He's great for them. I don't know how I'd feel about him in New England. Not coached by Bill Belichick.
1: I don't know, man. Good line, everything.
0: I don't know, man. I'd also look to Minnesota Kirk coaching. Oh my God. It was a fourth round pick. (laughs) Wow. Good good call there, Ethan. (laughs) I mean, Kirk Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent as well. So you could also look at him potentially, Mm, you know, you know, very traditional pocket passer, I think could probably work well in a Bill O'Brien run offense. So yeah. that could that could work itself out. And I think- I mean, could,
1: I, yeah. I honestly, like, I've never been a Mac fan. I've been saying this for years. I hope it works out. I do yeah. it for the Pat's sake, but like, I think we, we, we might have to go looking this off season.
0: I mean, if you don't, if it doesn't work out or if he just, you know, kind of just plays average football, you're going to be stuck between the idea of either having to let him go or you're going to have to pay him, which, you know, even if he doesn't overperform- Dan, look at the contract Daniel Jones got. He got I mean, absolutely paid by the Giants. season, yeah. Exactly. So if Jones goes goes out and does something even similar to that, you're that's what you're going to have to pay him, and probably more because the QB market's only going up.
1: It only goes up, but yeah. I mean, honestly, like Bill's just he's not a good drafter, so I really don't see that. And honestly, another question for you: Do you think Bill's on the hot seat this year? Is Bill on the hot seat? I mean.
0: I think he should have always been on the hot seat as a general manager. I mean, the, the moves he's made in the drafts he's had as of late really just haven't worked themselves out. I know that there have been, you know, some moves lately, but the 2019 draft was a mess. I mean, Nikhil Harry Nikhil just Harry. completely was a bust for me. And yeah, it there have just been some really questionable moves in the draft. And, you know, you saw in that 2021 off season when they had to go out and shell out all that money in free agency just to get back to, you know, basically a, basically get back to zero from what they had lost. So I think that unfortunately you can't get rid of the GM with bill Belichick without getting rid of the coach. It's, it's a two for one package and you know that. So Mm -hmm. I I would at least say like if he finishes this team and they're in the wild card hunt and they get in, maybe they get bounced. But like if they are in the hunt this year and they get in, I think bill Belichick keeps his job. But say this thing completely implodes, the wide receivers, the talent, it just doesn't match up. And you have like a team that wins like, you know, five, six games. Then, yeah, I think you could definitely look at him being yeah. on the hot seat.
1: Playoffs is is going to be tough, too. I mean, I feel like it's not going to be a, every team in the AFC, I think, is a playoff contender, except for maybe the Colts and the Texans. Mm. Honestly, every team could easily make the playoffs. Yeah, not easily, but like they can make the playoffs.
0: I mean, coming out of the AFC this year, who is your favorite to, you know, win the conference?
1: I still got the Chiefs, I think. I've I t- said to people like two years ago, I said, this is like the beginning of the Patrick Mahomes dynasty. And since then he's already won like two Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. I honestly think he wins again this year. I just feel like the chiefs are just, just still that team. I mean, honestly, the scary thing is he doesn't have a wide receiver one really. I mean, Tony, this might be Tony's breakout year. He still has Kelsey, obviously, but I don't know. I mean, the chiefs are just so good. Everyone else, like they're a good team, but like, I feel like they just aren't on that tier that Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs are at.
0: I mean, I would frankly look at the Cincinnati Bengals still. That's a good, I good. mean, I, I believe T Higgins is in a contract year right now. So he's going to be going out for, uh, to try to prove it for himself. Mm-hmm. You have Joe Burrow, um, you know, you know, with those two weapons still.
1: And chase, um, obviously. Yeah.
0: I mean, those guys are still going to be there doing their thing. Hopefully the O-line can, you know, at least get a little more familiar behind him. But and I know that's always been a challenge with him. So mm-hmm. hopefully you could solidify some things back there. But I think that, you know, Burrow just having another year in that offense. Things are going to click, and I think that they can oh, definitely yeah. get back.
1: Yeah, that's still going to be a top team. The only thing is when it comes – like, that team's going to make playoffs. I guarantee it. Oh, 100% barring injury. The only thing is it's I, I get scared about Joe Burrow because he just seems to get injured. Like, he already got injured in the preseason. And the second yeah. thing is coaching. I think Zach Taylor just not a good coach at all. 100%. Andy Reid will coach him every single day. Every yeah. single day. Even Sean McDermott will find a way to out-coach him, so –
0: yeah, no, I mean, I get that. I, I just still don't – I'm not 100% on the Chiefs' defense, and I think that on a good day, Joe Burrow
1: can out can uh, outbattle that defense. Yeah, this is true. Another team I'm really looking at is the Chargers. I feel like this is the year that they have to just make that leap. They've been one of those teams that's like, all right, they're going to be one of those top teams. And, like, they're good, but, like, they're just not one of those top teams. I think this is the year. I mean, Eckler, I mean, he had a weird offseason. I didn't think he was going to stay in the team. Now he did – they have three really good receivers. They have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and now Quentin Johnson. So this is going to be a big year for Herbert. He just got paid, too. So I'm excited to see what the Chargers do. But, again, I still feel like the Chiefs are still that, like, you got to knock them down. They're still, like, the top top guy, and you got to find a way to knock them down.
0: I mean, the Chargers are interesting to me, too, because they got Kellen Moore this offseason. I mean, yep. you know, coming over from the Cowboys, he's – you know, he seems to be a pretty good offensive mind, kind of like that next, like, young guy, you know, might be a future head coach in this league. And, yeah, I, I like what he brings to the table as well. Um, I just don't know if they can get past the funk that they were in last year, you know, falling to the Jaguars in the fashion that they did of 33 nothing. I mean, what kind of an effect does that have on a team? Now, Justin Herbert could go out and, you know, has all the intangibles to be an MVP candidate year and and has the weapons too to boot it's not like it's not like he can't go out there and make that happen Mm -hmm. but in between the ears what kind of a player is justin herbert yeah that that's the question is like physically we know what he can do but Mm -hmm. you know when the team is relying upon him to get to that spot can he do it and i just don't know yet it's just seeing the way it all fell apart
1: yeah it's another like it's kind of like the red Sox this year like they're just inconsistency that's the chargers Mm -hmm. problem and like herbert's going to have those games where it's like wow, this guy is just, he's electric. And then there's those games where it's like, what is going on? Like that's like barely anything. And it's, 100%. the offense isn't moving. So it's like, that's the questionables. And that's the thing, the chiefs, they you never see like Patrick Mahomes have a bad day. He honestly never has a bad day. It's just something else is going on, but Patrick Mahomes is always doing good. The offense will always work, but I don't know. I think it's just a huge AFC year. Like, there's really nothing going on in the NFC except for the Vikings and the 49ers. That's about it, honestly. Crazy how the dynamic had the dynamic flipped. It went yeah, from dude. the NFC.
0: The NFC just used to be a monster. It, it was a it was a freaking buzzsaw of oh, yeah. of a conference, and oh, now yeah. it, it's only just like those handful of teams.
1: Yeah, it's literally nothing. I mean, you got the AFC or the NFC South, which no clue what's going on there. No Baker show. Mayfield and the Bucks. I mean, Derek Carr and the Saints. Bryce Young and the Panthers ritter and the falcons they all have new quarterbacks new regimes everything so
0: yeah it's crazy what's going on down there i mean it that used to seem like one of the more like uh veteran led uh you know conferences and used to have a lot of like uh you know tenure down there and it's now now it's just all new guys
1: yep so it's gonna be interesting i mean every every year like i'm always excited for the nfl which is awesome it's such an awesome product but thank
0: thank god we finally made it back i mean listen the summer's I enjoy kind of doing creative things during the summer, getting to interview people, but it can just be a draw when you don't have like those sports on TV, NFL, NBA. I love talking baseball, but uh, I'm not just, I'm not primarily just a baseball show, so it can be difficult.
1: Yeah. Well, so speaking of one of the NFC teams, which is crazy, the Cardinals two years ago, I mean, you probably were talking about on your show too. I mean, they started the season off seven and zero. they had a loaded roster, Kyler Murray, like I think it was a year or two after he got drafted, you have Hopkins, AJ Green, JJ Watt, James Connor, um, Chandler Jones. I mean, everything is clicking for the Cardinals. People are like these guys might win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they start losing games. I, they still made the playoffs. I don't think they won though. And then after that, they've just went down and down and down. And now they're being talked about as the worst team in the NFL. Uh, Kyler Murray might might not even play this year, is what I've heard. And So what are are they doing? Like they just went from the top to the literal bottom in like two years, which doesn't happen. They do have a new coach. So I don't know where, where do they go from this? Yeah. I mean, I think that it,
0: I think that you're just going to see a complete regime change here. I mean, you know, bringing in a new head coach, it's, it's just typical that they're going to want to get their guy in eventually. And I Mm -hmm. think that you could very well see the Cardinals tank to get a guy like Caleb Williams in from USC, Mm -hmm. bring him into the team. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be as simple as that. I mean, listen, Kyler Murray when he's healthy is a electrifying player to see on the field. I agree. He's awesome to see out there. Yeah. But now with an ACL tear injury to him where mobility is not just like a fun little addition to his game, it's a necessity for his game.
1: Necessity. With
0: with with Aaron Rodgers, you know, especially earlier in his career, like, you know, he was he was a pretty solid runner. He could scramble around, made some plays here and there but you know, Aaron Rodgers for what he can do with his arm. Yep. Like if you think of Aaron Rodgers highlights, you're not think of him, thinking of him just like, you know, like breaking to the outside, doing all these scrambles. You're thinking of like the Hail Marys and all those great plays that he's made over the years. With Kyler Murray, when you think about him, it's all about the scrambling. Yep. Even on the Hail Murray play to DeAndre Hopkins, the run, he, yeah. had to, he had to run around the defenders, get to that outside sideline. And listen, one of the best throws I think I've ever seen. Like, oh, yeah, I, man, I, catches I, too. yeah, I mean, listen, unbelievable ball there yeah but you you have to understand like that it, that was all done based on the athleticism so when you take that away with an acl injury i know that these surgeries are getting better and better and these guys can you know come back from them like nothing but that's more with those traditional pocket passer guys like the brady's like the rogers uh, i know rogers hasn't had an injury like that but just like for example so those guys can come back from that injury and are relatively fine because you know they're just they're hanging around in the pocket. Sure. They have to shift around a little bit, but it's nothing crazy. When you have a guy like Kyler Murray go down with that injury, you could see a very different type of quarterback play when he comes back.
1: Yeah. So what do you think he, what do you think they do with him? I mean, do they hold him out this whole year? And then did they trade? I mean, he has a huge contract. I know that.
0: I mean, I think they said that he'd be eligible to come back by like what, like October, November yeah. around then,
1: but they've been saying they are might hold him out the whole year. So,
0: so I mean, I think it's, I think it's possible. I mean, if he's healthy and like, listen, if the Cardinals somehow find a way to play themselves into it, which I don't think they do. Not with Colt um, McCoy. <laughs> yeah. Not with Colt McCoy or anything like that. Then, then, yeah. I mean, you could see him maybe, you know, maybe getting some reps getting back in, but right now. Yeah. I think that you could see him get held out for the year. It, it could just be like, they want to hold him out. They want to, especially if it, if he comes back after the NFL trade deadline, they might try to say, all right, we're going to hold you out and, you know, maybe package you for something going on in the next year. We're going to get Caleb Williams with the number one pick and go on from there.
1: Yeah, It's weird, too, because they literally just traded Isaiah Simmons, too, for a seventh mm-hmm. rounder. That's crazy. Yeah. You're the Giants. That's a crazy steal for them. Yeah. I mean, that guy's he, he's a freak, he, he's good, bro. Like, yeah. So I, I think that that move right there kind of like indicates like what they kind of are going towards. So sure. I just, I don't know. I mean, they also have the Texans pick too, which I think the Texans are going to be a bottom three team. Yeah. So if they could get Caleb Williams and huge prospect Marvin Harrison Jr., that's not a bad team. Like you have Caleb Williams, who's a could be insane. And then you also have James Conner, Hollywood Brown, Marvin Harrison, Rondell Moore. That's not bad. I mean, they still have Zach Ertz too. Yeah. So no, I mean, so you have a good team that you could build around, say, in
0: 2024. But yeah, like I just don't know what the future holds for Kyler Murray. It's really gonna be matter what does he look like after that ACL injury? Cause listen, yeah. those powerful guys, they can deal with it. And because if if speed isn't your number one thing, then you're fine. But what with Kyler Murray, speed is his everything. Everything. Yeah. Like we never like people would always talk about the fact that Kyler Murray actually doesn't throw a great ball. It's not like the most accurate tight spiral, but he can be shifty as hell. He can move around and make you miss. So that that was always his strong suit. So I don't know what's going to be next for him. So that that does look interesting out there. I think the Cardinals could sit him down the rest of the year, and we see him on a new team in 2024.
1: Maybe like the Raiders. It's honestly not a bad fit for him.
0: Honestly, maybe you see him on the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if Kirk Cousins is gonna maybe want to get another paycheck, I don't think Minnesota wants to pay him. You know, you could get him in there with Hawkinson and um, and Those. yeah. And Justin Jefferson, he could be, that could be a pretty interesting offense. You could run some RPOs there and
1: maybe could, maybe
0: could work itself out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's going to be really cool to see. I mean, honestly, like the NFC is a lot more like kind of like this, these really young teams and kind of seeing if they're tanking. It's really an,
0: it's really an all or nothing conference right now. It's like you're either in Super Bowl contention or you're, you know, yeah. going for that first overall pick in the draft. Yeah, There's sure. really no in between right now.
1: Whereas it's the AFC, like everybody just looks like a contender. So 100 percent now
0: out of the AFC, I mean, I know you talked about the Chiefs and I mentioned the Bengals, but if there was a team that could surprise you, I mean, you mentioned the Dolphins about, you know, they have the potential to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Name a team for me from the AFC and the NFC you think could be a surprise yeah, going so into this year.
1: Honestly, a really big surprise for me, I think the Browns. Really? Yep. So I've loved Deshaun Watson since the beginning of his career. Uh, he was a superstar in Texas and, or Houston, Texas, yeah. And... Then obviously the, the everything happened off hundred percent, and it's just like all right, whatever. But he didn't really, he kind of didn't flow too well at the Browns mid season when he got back. Mm-hmm. But I think like this could this he had a huge season. If he figured out the offense, you have Amari Cooper. They brought in Elijah Moore, who just wasn't getting enough like looks at in the Jets. Yeah, Nick Chubb, who's probably the best runner in the game right now. Um, that's that's honestly not a bad team, and that no. team could win that division, and they could win a couple games. I mean. The Browns, remember, they used to be a complete, cleat, like shit show. Like it was terrible. Um, yeah. And then, good. and then all of a sudden, they just they start getting way better. So, um, it's a whole new regime for the Browns. So I think that's my mm-hmm. that's my surprise for the Browns.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, that that's just kind of how it is. So, I mean, out of the NFC, I'll tell you this: I think the Seahawks could get back into it. I, mm-hmm. I think that Geno Smith under Pete Carroll seems to have some some stability there. I. Have my doubts with him still, but if any, but if Pete Carroll proved that he can, you know, lead any team this, lead any team to, and any player to prominence, it's with Geno Smith. I mean, I think that you have to give him a lot more credit now for what he did with Russell Wilson, you know, seeing how he kind of flamed out in Denver and the fact that he took Geno Smith's career back from the freaking dead. Like Geno Smith's on, NFL yeah. career should have been over 10 years ago. Like literally he got drafted in like 2013, 2014 and, you know, flamed out with the jets. And it was like, Oh yeah, th- this, yeah. He's, he's just a traditional bust is just, isn't going to work out with this yeah. with, with him. And I, I was like, yep. He's just one of those guys. One of those guys that just didn't work out in the league. And now he's a starter in pl- and just was in a playoff game. A couple, a couple like, you know, months ago, it's like, yeah. how the hell did this guy get back on track? So I think if Pete Carroll can get um him right, I mean they just got Jackson Smith and Jigba, got who, injured
1: unfortunately. He, yeah,
0: he is injured, but if he can come back and you know make a difference down the stretch,
1: it could be pretty interesting. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I have no clue how that Geno whole everything happened last year. I mean that was out of nowhere. But yeah, I mean they re-signed him too, so they they clearly wanted him back. But um, yeah, that's a good team. I mean mm-hmm. even the Rams, to be honest, like I I don't know what happened last year, but with Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup coming back that's a, that's a good team and again that that division's kind of weak too i mean obviously the 49ers are good but
0: yeah what do you think about what do you think about that Rams team you mentioned Matthew Stafford coming back from injury Cooper Cup um is going to be back as well i mean that team is kind of in um what's the word purgatory right now yeah. you really don't know what they're going to be i think that you know just based on the state of the NFC they could potentially even get into a wild card spot but I mean, they sold out for the Super Bowl two years ago, and which, w- which, you know, absolutely was worth it. They got it. They were able to win it in their home stadium. It was a great story to finally get Matthew Stafford a Super Bowl. I'm so happy he got it. Yep. But now you have to kind of figure what else is this team going to do? Like
1: The after part where it's like, now what do we do? I mean, they have like no first round picks for like, I don't know. How honeymoon much. phase is over.
0: Like you're, yeah. you're in this marriage. Now. Like got, what the hell are you going to do?
1: Yeah. They still have Aaron Donald. So that's yeah. still like a, at least a promising thing. But, but I mean, he even questioned retirement this year, Ethan. Yeah. I mean, Cam Akers, like I, I, I don't like Cam Akers. I don't think he's no. the guy for them. The Rams have always had a good running back too. Like, I mean, Todd Gurley, Steven Jackson, like they, that's just been who they are. Yeah. So I feel like they, they're going to figure out Cam Akers. If he doesn't work, they're going to go and get themselves a new running back. If they had pieces, they trade for Taylor. They don't have anything to give up. So, but I don't know. I mean, Matthew Stafford and cup. It's just going to be them all year. I mean, Van Jefferson's their wide receiver too. So it's literally just going to be them two all year. That's the only way the ball's ever going to move. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe some surprises, maybe Van Jefferson breaks out or something like that, but that's just going to be an interesting team to watch.
0: Yeah. Now, Ethan, that kind of concludes what we had for the NFL portion of the show before we do sign off though. Um, there was one story I felt would kind of be cool to talk about on the show. And, uh, you know, you know we 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 go to Bryant University, which is located in Smithfield, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and just a couple of days ago, the Smithfield Little League team, you know, made it to the Little League World Series. They their season did just come to an end against California, but I do want to give you know that I do want to give them some credit. They had an incredible run, beating Nevada, beating Pennsylvania, and you know. Just the fact that a team from you know our college town made it to Williamsport, a random town, unbelievable. The fact that like I mean Smithfield, for if you guys don't know, is just like your average small town, which they just put a D one college in. Yeah. It's so funny, yeah. and the fact that this team made it is unbelievable. I I was watching some of the you know some of the stories with them. They have this kid is he's thirteen years old. His name is Connor Curtis. He's like this you know I guess like big lefty kid throws just gas. And, uh, you know, I was seeing him. They had him like doing press conferences, and he was just answering it like Bill Belichick style. like like he he didn't even seem like a thirteen year old kid who who was just who was just like, this is awesome. He was just like like they, they said, like, Connor, you struck out fifteen kids. like how did you do that? And he goes, it was my job. I did I went out there and I did what I had to do. Oh, I'm like, awesome. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? That's oh, awesome.
1: He was born ready. I mean, that that's looks great. Like, that sounds like a pro player to me.
0: yeah, that's th- I mean, that's freaking awesome. I mean, especially for them to go for them to go up against big States like Nevada and Pennsylvania, who have produced just absolute like legends. I mean, Nevada, I mean, especially that's where Bryce Harper's from. So you, you have him coming out of there, but uh, yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, Rhode Island too, in the little league world series, if you don't know, they actually got shifted out of the new England division a couple years ago. So yeah, because of, because Rhode Island used to win so much oh, wow. in the new England division, Like someone at Williamsport, I think, just got sick of Rhode Island winning it every year. They wanted to see someone else do it. So they shifted the the divisions around. So the New England division no longer um, has Connecticut or Rhode Island. They're now in like this division with New York, Pennsylvania, or like New York, um, Maryland, and like Delaware or something like that. And it's called like the Metro division.
1: Yeah. I mean, you get far enough north, like Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, nobody plays baseball up there.
0: Exactly. And what's funny enough is They put Rhode Island in what was supposed to be a tougher division. They won it anyways. Wow. Really?
1: So, yeah. yeah,
0: I I mean, you got to give them credit for that. Unbelievable run by Smithfield there. So,
1: hey, Trevor Story just hit a home run. That's some good news. Hey, let's go.
0: You know, we we were crapping on him earlier in the show. (laughs) Way way to come through, Trevor. Way to see it. Way to be. So, Ethan, before we do sign off, you know, back here on back here at Bryant this year, in for another year, I mean, what are some things you're excited about with the athletics? I know we just, uh, you know, did the Bryant soccer game last night? Yeah. That nice one nothing victory, sweet header by uh, um, you know, by by Abdel there, by Abdel yeah. Talabi. I mean, great yeah. play there. So, what what are some things you're excited about to see this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, for us, for for soccer, we have a whole new regime. We have a whole new coach, mm-hmm. resendez Um, and I'm first home win that was the most people we've ever had in the stadium too yeah that was our largest attendance for a soccer game that was wild it felt like we were at a soccer game i mean people were chanting like everyone was engaged the whole time you like, had the
0: band out and playing yeah,
1: that's that's good stuff especially for us who was not a soccer school at all no so that's that's really cool uh the football team also we just moved to the CAA for next year 2024 yeah that's a really huge jump for us so kind of take us whatever we do this year and then kind of build that for next year um I mean, I always love watching volleyball too in the fall. Volleyball is just so fun to watch.
0: Yeah. little volleyball shout out right now, as this uh, show is going on um, currently tied in, currently tied in the third set. UT Arlington is up eight is up 24 to 18. So Brian's going to have to battle back here, but um, you know, I've been actually the SID in charge of like social media and stuff for volleyball this fall. have yep. kind of got to see them in camp. Uh, they really look locked in as well. Like they, they look pretty well, pretty uh, ready to go. It's, been kind of cra- been kind of tough for them. They had a big uh, group of seniors leave this past year. Yeah. Um. You know that they were part of the reason they got um to the third seed in the uh, America East last year after just joining it. But uh, they brought in six freshmen this year. They look. They all look to be pretty solid. So uh, it's going to be a new core kind of coming up with Bryant volleyball now.
1: No, I'm excited for Bryant fall sport. I I just love the fall. Like for sports in general, I always just it just feels like refreshing. Hundred uh, percent tailgates. I mean, you just go outside, the the weather starts getting a little colder. Yeah. Stuff like that. I
0: will say this though. So I love the fall sports here at Bryant, but I, the one time where the school feels like a D one school is basketball season. I agree. It's the one time, like, listen, I'll give the football guys credit and all these on all the athletes here, they are D one athletes in their own right. It is amazing what they do. I respect them a hundred percent. And, but I do have to say as a fan and as Mm -hmm. someone who works here, when it comes to basketball season and you're getting into it with that, with that team who made it to March Madness, like just two years ago, you just feel a certain buzz with it. Yeah. And you, and it just feels more, it, all the achievements and success, it just feels more attainable with that mm-hmm. football you're in the FCS. So it's not like, you're going up against these big schools or you have a real shot to like win a national championship or anything. So, but you give them their credit. Lacrosse, you know, they did their thing this, this past uh, spring winning the yeah, America we, East
1: we actually went pretty far.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, listen, you got like, there are teams here that do their thing, but for me, basketball, it just starts to feel a little bit different. Yeah, I agree. So I'm excited for that this year. I think that um from what I've heard, they got, you know, potentially an even better squad this year. Um, last year we had the issue of kind of having like too many mouths to feed. If you think about it, like Mm -hmm. everyone just like you had to kind of just spread the wealth a little bit too much. But I think this year you got reef, you got Earl and you can kind of just focus on getting those two guys baskets this year and hopefully Doug Edder and all those other guys can step up as well.
1: Yep, 100%. I mean, this is this is the perfect time right here end of August. Everything's in front of us and I can't wait to see how it's going to unfold. Absolutely, Everything.
0: man. It's an ex- it's it's going to be an exciting fall. I'm glad to be back here, but Ethan, we are unfortunately now down to the wire so we're going to wrap up what we discussed on this show and get you guys on your way. So Ethan, first of all, thank you so much for joining me back here. It's oh, yeah. great to be back in Coughler. I mean, it's it's a little surreal after graduating, can't lie.
1: Yeah. No, I it's awesome to be back on the show I and mean, hopefully I'll be back on during the year. So hundred percent, awesome. man.
0: i I'm definitely gonna have you back on. So I appreciate oh, yeah. it. So yeah. uh, we had a great show today, discussed Mookie Betts return to Fenway as well as the Red Sox and whether they have real chances or not to make the MLB playoffs. We discussed uh, Shohei Otani's uh, UCL injury as well as Jonathan Taylor to the Dolphins rumors. We discussed the Pats preseason as well as the fall of the Arizona Cardinals and then kind of finish things off, just kind of talking shop, talking about Bryant sports, different things like that, Smithfield little league. So really appreciate you guys tuning in for that as well. So if you guys haven't followed down to the wire just yet, make sure you go, make sure you guys go follow us on our Spotify, YouTube, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows. Um, as well as our Instagram at down.tothewire. Go follow us on there. Ethan, anything else you want to shout out?
1: Have a good day, everybody.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, he said it first. Thank you guys so much for listening. And from Down to the Wire, I'm Brian Costa.
1: I'm Ethan Mulder.
0: And we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. Peace out. WJMF Radio.